Chapter six of the Canadians of Old by Philippe Aubert de Gaspé. Translated by Sir Charles G. D. Roberts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. A supper at the house of a French Canadian seigneur. Half cut down a pasty costly made, where quail and pigeon, lark and leveret, lay like fossils of the rock with golden yolks embedded and enjellied tennyson the table was spread in a low but spacious room whose furniture though not luxurious lacked nothing of what an englishman calls comfort a thick woolen carpet of canadian manufacture and of a diamond pattern covered the greater part of the dining-room floor the bright woolen curtains the backs of the mahogany sofa ottomans and chairs were embroidered with gigantic birds such as it would have puzzled the most brilliant ornithologist to classify a great sideboard reaching almost to the ceiling displayed on its many shelves a service of blue marseilles china of a thickness to defy the awkwardness of the servants over the lower part of this sideboard which served the purpose of a cupboard and which might be called the ground floor of the structure projected a shelf a foot and a half wide on which stood a sort of tall narrow cabinet whose drawers lined with green cloth held the silver spoons and forks on this shelf also were some bottles of old wine together with a great silver jar of water for the use of those who cared to dilute their beverage a pile of plates of the finest porcelain two decanters of white wine a couple of tarts a dish of whipped cream some delicate biscuits a bowl of sweetmeats on a little table near the sideboard covered with a white cloth constituted the dessert in one corner of the room stood a sort of barrel-shaped fountain of blue and white stone china with faucet and basin where the family might rinse their hands in an opposite corner a great closet containing square bottles filled with brandy absinthe liqueurs of peach kernel raspberry black currant anise etc for daily use completed the furnishing of the room the table was set for eight persons a silver fork and spoon wrapped in a napkin were placed at the left of each plate and a bottle of light wine at the right there was not a knife on the table during the serving of the courses each was already supplied with this useful instrument which only the orientals know how to do without if the knife one affected was a clasp knife it was carried in the pocket if a sheath knife it was worn suspended from the neck in a case of morocco of silk or even of birch bark artistically wrought by the indians the handles were usually of ivory riveted with silver those for the use of ladies were of mother-of-pearl to the right of each plate was a silver cup or goblet these cups were of different forms and sizes some being of simple pattern with or without hoops some with handles some in the form of a chalice some worked in relief and very many lined with gold a servant placing on a side table the customary appetizers namely brandy for the men and sweet cordials for the women came to announce that the supper was served eight persons sat down at the table the seigneur de beaumont and his wife their sister madame des carrieres 
the old priest captain marcheterre and his son henri and lastly archie and jules the lady of the house gave the place of honor at her right to the priest and the next place at her left to the old captain the menu opened with an excellent soup soup was then de rigueur for dinner and supper alike followed by a cold pasty called the easter pasty which on account of its immense proportions was served on a great tray covered with a napkin this pasty which would have aroused the envy of brillat savarin consisted of one turkey two chickens two partridges two pigeons the backs and thighs of two rabbits all larded with slices of fat pork the balls of force-meat on which rested as on a thick soft bed these gastronomic riches were made of two hams of that animal which the jew despises but which the christian treats with more regard large onions scattered here and there and a liberal seasoning of the finest spices completed the appetizing marvel but a very important point was the cooking which was beset with difficulty for should the gigantic structure be allowed to break it would lose at least fifty per cent of its flavor to guard against so lamentable a catastrophe the lower crust coming at least three inches up the sides was not less than an inch thick this crust itself saturated with the juices of all the good things inside was one of the best parts of this unique dish chickens and partridges roasted in slices of pork pig's feet à la sainte menehould a hare stew very different from that with which the spanish landlord regaled the unhappy gil blas these were among the other dishes which the seigneur set before his friends for a time there was silence with great appetites but when dessert was reached the old sailor who had been eating like a hungry wolf and drinking proportionately and all the time managing to keep his eyes on archie was the first to break the silence it would seem young man said he facetiously that you are not much afraid of a cold in your head it would seem also that you don't really need to breathe the air of heaven and that like your cousins the beaver and otter you only put your nose out of water every half hour for form's sake and to see what's going on in the upper world you are a good deal like a salmon when one gives him line he knows how to profit by it it's my opinion however that gudgeons like you are not found in every brook it was only your presence of mind captain said archie your admirable judgment in letting out the exact quantity of rope that prevented me smashing my head or my stomach on the ice but for you poor dumay instead of being warm in bed would now be rolling under the st lawrence ice a nice joke cried marcheterre to hear him talk as if i had done the thing it was very necessary to give you line when i saw that you threatened to stand on your head which would have been a very uncomfortable position in those waves i wish to the d beg pardon your reverence i was just going to swear it is a habit with us sailors nonsense laughed the old priest you have been accustomed to it so long you old sinner that one more or less hardly matters your record is full and you no longer keep count of them 
when the tally-board is quite full reverend father said marcheterre you shall just pass the plane over it as you have done so often before and we'll run up another score moreover i am sure not to escape you for you know so well when and where to hook me and drag me into a blessed harbour with the rest of the sinners you are too severe sir said jules how could you wish to deprive our dear captain of the comfort of swearing a little if only against his darky cook who burns his fricassees as black as his own fizz you hare-brained young scoundrel cried the captain with a comical assumption of anger do you dare talk to me so after the trick you played me i said jules innocently i played you a trick i am incapable of it dear captain you are slandering me cruelly just listen to the young saint said marcheterre i slandering him no matter let us drop the subject for a moment lay to for a bit boy i shall know how to find you again soon i was going to say continued the captain when his reverence tumbled my unfortunate exclamation to the bottom of the hold and shut the hatch down on it that if out of curiosity mr archie you had gone down to the foot of the fall then like your confrere the salmon you would probably have shown us the trick of swimming up it again the spirit of mirth now ruled the conversation and in repartee and witticism the company found relief from the intense emotions to which they had been subjected fill your glasses attention everybody cried the seigneur de beaumont i am going to propose a health which will i am very sure be received with acclamation it is very easy for you to talk said the old priest whom they had honored especially by giving him a goblet richly carved but holding nearly double what those of the other guests could contain i am over ninety and i have no longer the hard head of a twenty-five-year-old come my old friend said the seigneur you will not have far to go for you must sleep here to-night moreover if your legs should become unsteady it will pass for the weakness of old age and no one will be shocked you forget seigneur said the priest laughing that i have accepted your kind invitation to help take care of poor dumais to-night i intend to sit up with him if i take too much wine what use do you think i could be to the poor fellow indeed you shall go to bed said the seigneur the master of the house decrees it we will rouse you in case of need have no anxiety as to dumais and his wife their friend mrs couture is with them i am even sending home after they have supped a lot of their gossips and cronies who wanted to be in the way all night and use up the fresh air which the sick man is so much in need of we will all be up if necessary you argue so well answered the priest that i must even do as you say and he poured a fair quantity of wine into his formidable cup then the seigneur de beaumont said to archie with solemn emphasis what you have done is beyond all praise i know not which is most admirable the splendid spirit of self-sacrifice which moved you to risk your life for that of a stranger 
or the courage and coolness which enabled you to succeed you possess all the qualities most requisite to the career you are to follow a soldier myself i prophesy great success for you let us drink to the health of mr de lochiel the toast was drunk with ardent enthusiasm in returning thanks archie said modestly i am bewildered by so much praise for so simple a performance i was probably the only one present who knew how to swim for any one else would have done as i did it is claimed that your indian women throw their infants into the water and let them make the best of their way to shore this teaches them to swim very early i am tempted to believe that our mothers in the scottish highlands follow the same excellent custom as long as i can remember i have been a swimmer at your fooling again mr archie said the captain as for me i have been a sailor these fifty years and i have never yet learned how to swim not that i have never fallen into the water but i have always had the good luck to catch hold of something failing that i always kept my feet going as cats and dogs do sooner or later someone always hauled me out and here i am that reminds me of a little adventure which happened to me when i was a sailor my ship was anchored by the banks of the mississippi it might have been about nine o'clock in the evening after one of those suffocating days which one can experience only in the tropics i had made my bed up in the bows of my ship in order to enjoy the evening breezes but for the mosquitoes the sand-flies the black flies and the infernal noise of the alligators which had gathered i think from the utmost limits of the father of streams to give me a good serenading a monarch of the east might have envied me my bed i am not naturally timid but i have an unconquerable horror of all kinds of reptiles whether they crawl on land or wriggle in the water captain you have a refined and aristocratic taste which does you much honor said jules do you dare to speak to me again you disreputable cried marcheterre shaking his great fist at him i was about forgetting you but your turn will come very soon meanwhile i go on with my story i was feeling very safe and comfortable on my mat whence i could hear the hungry monsters snapping their jaws i derided them saying you would be delighted my lambs to make a meal off my carcass but there's one little difficulty in the way of it though you should have to fast all your lives through like hermits i would never be the one to break your fasting for my conscience is too tender i don't know exactly how the thing happened but i ended by falling asleep and when i awoke i was in the midst of these jolly companions you could never imagine the horror that seized me in spite of my customary coolness i did not lose my presence of mind however while under water i remembered that there was a rope hanging from the bowsprit as i came to the surface i had the good fortune to catch it i was as active as a monkey in those days but i did not escape without leaving as a keepsake in the throat of a very barbarous alligator one of my boots and a valued portion of the calf of my leg now for your turn you imp continued the captain turning to jules 
i must get even with you sooner or later for the trick you played me on my return from martinique last year i met monsieur one morning in quebec lower town as he was on the point of crossing the river to return home for his vacation after a perfect squall of embraces from which i escaped with difficulty by shearing off to larboard i commissioned him to tell my family of my arrival and to say that i could not be at saint thomas for several days what did this young saint do he went to my house at eight o'clock in the evening shouting like all possessed oh joy oh rapture three cheers and a tiger my husband has come exclaimed madame marcheterre father has come cried my two daughters certainly said he what else could i be making all this fuss about then he kissed my good wife there was no great difficulty in that he wanted to kiss the girls too but they boxed his ears and sheared off with all sails set what does your reverence think of this for a beginning to say nothing of what followed ah mr jules cried the old priest these are nice things i am hearing about you queer conduct this for a pupil of the jesuit fathers you see mr abbe said jules that all that was only a bit of fun to enable me to share the happiness of that estimable family i knew too well the ferocious virtue immovable as the cape of storms of these daughters of the sea i well knew that they would box my ears soundly and sheer off with all sails set i begin to believe that you are telling the truth after all said the old priest and that there were no evil designs on your part i know my jules pretty thoroughly worse and more of it said the captain take his part do that's all he was wanting but we'll see what you think when you hear the rest when my young gentleman had finished his larking he said to my wife the captain told me to say he would be here to-morrow evening in the neighborhood of ten o'clock and that as his business had prospered exceedingly which indeed was all true he wished that his friends should celebrate his good luck with him he wished that there should be a ball and supper going on at his house when he arrived which would be just as the guests were sitting down to table make ready therefore for this celebration to which he has invited myself and my brother de lochiel this puts me out a little added the young hypocrite for i am in a great hurry to get home but for you ladies there is nothing that i would not do my husband does not consider that he is giving me too little time said madame marcheterre we have no market here my cook is very old to undertake so much in one day the case is desperate but to please him we must accomplish the impossible perhaps i can be of some use to you said the hypocrite pretending to sympathize with her i will undertake with pleasure to send out the invitations my dear jules said my wife that would be the greatest help you know our society i give you carte blanche 
my wife ran all over the parish to get provisions for the feast she and the girls spent the greater part of the night helping the old cook make pastries whipped creams blancmange biscuits and a lot of sweet stuff that i wouldn't give for one steak of fresh codfish such as one gets on the banks of newfoundland mr jules for his part did things up in style that night he sent out two messengers one to the northeast the other to the southwest carrying invitations so that by six o'clock the next evening thanks to his good management my house was full of guests who were whirling around like so many gulls while i was anchored in quebec and poor madame in spite of a frightful cold was doing the honors of the house with the best grace possible what do you think gentlemen of a trick like that and what have you to say in your defence you wolf in sheep's clothing i wished said jules that everybody should share beforehand in the joy of the family over the good fortune of so dear and so generous a friend also if you could have seen the regret and general consternation when toward eleven o'clock it was found necessary to sit down at table without waiting for you any longer you would certainly have been moved to tears the morrow you will remember was a fast day as for your wife she seems to be without the smallest idea of gratitude observing a little before eleven that she was in no hurry to bring on the supper and that she was beginning to be anxious about her dear husband i whispered a word in her ear and for thanks she broke her fan over my back everybody the captain himself included burst out laughing how is it you never told us of this before marcheter said the seigneur de beaumont it was hardly necessary said the captain to publish it to the world that we had been tricked by this young rascal moreover it would have been no particular satisfaction to us to inform you that you owed the entertainment to the munificence of mr jules d'aberville we preferred to have the credit of it ourselves i only tell it to you to-day because it is too good to keep any longer it seems to me mr diver continued marcheter addressing archie that in spite of your reserved and philosophical demeanour you were an accomplice of master jules i give you my word replied lochiel that i knew nothing of it whatever not till the next day did jules take me into his confidence whereupon i gave him a good scolding you could hardly say much said jules after the rate at which you kicked round your great scotch legs with great peril to the more civilized shins of your neighbors you have doubtless forgotten that since you were not content with french cotillons such as are accepted among all civilized people to please you we had to have scotch reels the music for these our fiddler picked up by ear in an instant it was a very simple matter he merely had to scrape his strings till they screeched as if a lot of cats were shut up in a bag and someone were pulling their tails oh you are a bad lot said the captain but won't you come and take supper with us to-morrow you and your friend and make your peace with the family that's the way to talk now said jules listen to the irrepressible retorted marcheter 
as it was now very late the party broke up after drinking the health of the old sailor and his son and pronouncing the eulogies they deserved for the part they had played that night the young men had to stay some days at saint thomas the flood continued the roads were deluged the nearest bridge even supposing it had escaped the general disaster was some leagues southwest of the village and the rain came down in torrents they were obliged to wait till the river should be clear of ice so as to cross in a boat below the falls they divided their time between the seigneur's family their other friends and poor dumais whom the seigneur would not permit to be moved the sick man entertained them with stories of his fights against the english and their savage allies and with accounts of the manners and customs of the aborigines although i am a native of saint thomas said dumais one day i was brought up in the parish of sorel when i was ten years old and my brother nine while we were in the woods one day picking raspberries a party of iroquois surprised and captured us after a long march we came to the place where their canoe was hidden among the brambles by the water's edge and they took us to one of the islands of the st lawrence my father and his three brothers armed to the teeth set out to rescue us they were only four against ten but i may say without boasting that my father and my uncles were not exactly the kind of men to be trifled with they were tall broad-chested fellows with their shoulders well set back it might have been about ten o'clock in the evening my brother and i surrounded by our captors were seated in a little clearing in the midst of thick woods when we heard my father's voice shouting to us lie flat down on your stomachs i immediately seized my little brother around the neck and flattened him down to the ground with me the iroquois were hardly on their feet when four well-aimed shots rang out and four of the band fell squirming like eels the rest of the vermin not wishing i suppose to fire at hazard against the invisible enemies to whom they were serving as targets started for the shelter of the trees but our rescuers gave them no time falling upon them with the butts of their muskets they beat down three at the first charge and the others saved themselves by flight our mother almost died of joy when we were given back to her arms in return lochiel told the poor fellow about the combats of the scottish highlanders their manners and customs and the semi-fabulous exploits of his hero the great wallace while jules amused him with the story of his practical jokes or with such bits of history as he might appreciate when the young men were bidding dumais farewell the latter said to archie with tears in his eyes it is probable sir that i shall never see you again but be sure that i will carry you ever in my heart and will pray for you i and my family every day of our lives it is painful for me to think that even should you return to new france a poor man like me would have no means of displaying his gratitude who knows said lochiel perhaps you will do more for me than i have done for you was the highlander gifted with that second sight of which his fellow-countrymen are wont to boast let us judge from the sequel
on the thirtieth day of april at ten o'clock in the morning with weather magnificent but roads altogether execrable our travellers bade farewell to their friends at saint thomas they had yet six leagues to go before arriving at saint jean paul joli and the whole distance they had to travel afoot cursing at the rain which had removed the last traces of ice and snow in traversing the road across the plain of cap st ignace it was even worse they sank to their knees and their horse was mired to the belly and had to be dug out jules the most impatient of the three kept grumbling if i had had anything to do with the weather we would never have had this devil of a rain which has turned all the roads into bog holes perceiving that jose shook his head whenever he heard this remark he asked him what he meant oh master jules said jose i am only a poor ignorant fellow but i can't help thinking that if you had charge of the weather we shouldn't be much better off take the case of what happened to david larouche when we get across this cursed bog-hole said jules you shall tell us the story of david larouche oh that i had the legs of a heron like this mighty scotchman who strides before us whistling a pibroch just fit for these roads what would you give said archie to exchange your diminutive french legs for those of the haughty highlander keep your legs retorted jules for when you have to run away from the enemy once well across the meadow the young man asked jose for his story i must tell you said the latter that a fellow named david larouche once lived in the parish of saint-roch he was a good enough provider neither very rich nor very poor i used to think that the dear fellow was not quite sharp enough which prevented him making great headway in the world it happened that one morning david got up earlier than usual put through his chores in the stable returned to the house fixed his whiskers as if it were sunday and got himself up in his best clothes where are you going my good man asked his wife what a swell you are are you going to see the girls you must understand that this was a joke of hers she knew that her husband was bashful with women and not at all inclined to run after them as for la tech herself she was the most facetious little body on the whole south side inheriting it from her old uncle bernuchon castonguet she often used to say pointing to her husband you see that great fool yonder certainly not a very polite way to speak of her husband well he would never have had the pluck to ask me in marriage though i was the prettiest girl in the parish if i had not met him more than half-way yet how his eyes used to shine whenever he saw me i took pity on him because he wasn't making much progress to be sure i was even more anxious about it than he he had four good acres of land to his name while i had nothing but this fair body of mine she was lying a little to be sure the puss added jose she had a cow a yearling bull six sheep her spinning-wheel a box so full of clothes that you had to kneel on it to shut it and in the box fifty silver francs i took pity on him one evening said she when he called at our house and sat in the corner without even daring to speak to me 
i know you are in love with me you great simpleton said i go and speak to my father who is waiting for you in the next room and you can get the bands published next sunday moreover since he sat there without budging and as red as a turkey-cock i took him by the shoulders and pushed him into the other room my father opened the closet and brought out a flask of brandy to encourage him well in spite of all these hints he had to get three drinks into his body before he found his tongue well as i was saying continued jose latek said to her husband are you going to see the girls my man look out for yourself if you get off any pranks i will let you into the soup you know very well i'm not said larouche laughingly and flicking her on the back with his whip here we are at the end of march my grain is all thrashed out and i'm going to carry my tithes to the priest that's right my man said his wife who was a good christian we must render back to god a share of what he has just given us larouche then threw his sacks upon the sled lit his pipe with a hot coal sprang aboard and set off in high spirits as he was passing a bit of woods he met a traveller who approached by a side path this stranger was a tall handsome man of about thirty long fair hair fell about his shoulders his blue eyes were as sweet as an angel's and his countenance wore a sort of tender sadness his dress was a long blue robe tied at the waist larouche said he had never seen anyone so beautiful as this stranger and that the loveliest woman was ugly in comparison peace be with you my brother said the traveller i thank you for your good wishes answered davy a good word burns nobody's mouth but that is something i don't particularly need i am at peace thank god with everybody i have an excellent wife good children we get on well together all my neighbors love me i have nothing to desire in the way of peace i congratulate you said the traveller your sled is well loaded where are you going this morning it is my tithes which i am taking to the priest it would seem then said the stranger that you have had a good harvest reckoning one measure of tithes to every twenty-six measures of clean grain good enough i confess but if i had had the weather just to my fancy it would have been something very much better you think so said the traveller no manner of doubt about it answered davy very well said the stranger now you shall have just what weather you wish and much good may it do you having spoken thus he disappeared around the foot of a little hill that's queer now thought davy i know very well that there are wicked people who go about the world putting spells on men women children or animals take the case of the woman lestin coulombe who on the very day of her wedding made fun of a certain beggar who squinted in his left eye she had good cause to regret it poor thing for he said to her angrily take care young woman that your own children don't turn out cross-eyed she trembled poor creature for every child she brought into the world and not without good cause for the fourteenth when looked at closely 
showed a blemish on its right eye it seems to me said jules that madame lestin must have had a mighty dread of cross-eyed children if she could not be content to present her dear husband with one even after twenty years of married life evidently she was a thoughtful and easy-going woman who took her time about whatever she was going to do jos shook his head with a dubious air and continued well thought larouche to himself though bad folk go about the country putting spells on people i have never heard of saints wandering about canada to work miracles after all it is no business of mine i won't say a word about it and we'll see next spring about that time the next year davy very much ashamed of himself got up secretly long before daylight to take his tithes to the priest he had no need of horse or sleigh he carried the whole thing in his handkerchief as the sun was rising he once more met the stranger who said to him peace be with you my brother never was wish more appropriate answered larouche for i believe the devil himself has got into my house and is kicking up his pranks there day and night my wife scolds me to death from morn till eve my children sulk when they are not doing worse and all my neighbors are set against me i am very sorry to hear it said the traveller but what are you carrying in that little parcel my tithes answered larouche with an air of chagrin it seems to me however said the stranger that you have been having just the weather you asked for i acknowledge it said davy when i asked for sunshine i had it when i wanted rain wind calm weather i got them yet nothing has succeeded with me the sun burned up the grain the rain caused it to rot the wind beat it down the calm brought the night frosts my neighbors are all bitter against me they regard me as a sorcerer who has brought a curse on their harvests my wife began by distrusting me and has ended by heaping me with reproaches in a word it is enough to drive one crazy which proves to you my brother said the traveller that your wish was a foolish one that one must always trust to the providence of god who knows what is good for man better than man can know it for himself put your trust in him and you will not have to endure the humiliation of having to carry your tithes in a handkerchief with these words the stranger again disappeared around the hill larouche took the hint and thenceforth acknowledged god's providence without wishing to meddle with the weather as jose brought his tale to an end archie said i like exceedingly the simplicity of this legend it has a lofty moral and at the same time it displays the vivid faith of the habitants of new france shame on the heartless philosopher who would deprive them of that whence they derive so many a consolation in the trials of life it must be confessed continued archie later when they were at a little distance from the sleigh that our friend jos has always an appropriate story ready 
but do you believe that his father really told him that marvellous dream that was dreamed on the hillsides of saint michel i perceive said jules that you do not yet know jose's talents he is an inexhaustible raconteur the neighbors gather in our kitchen on the long winter evenings and jose spins them a story which often goes on for weeks when he feels his imagination beginning to flag he breaks off and says i'm getting tired i'll tell you the rest another day jose is also a much more esteemed poet than my learned uncle the chevalier who prides himself on his skill in verse he never fails to sacrifice to the muses either on flesh days or on new year's day if you were at my father's house at such times you would see messengers arrive from all parts of the parish in quest of jose's compositions but he does not know how to write said archie no more do his audience know how to read replied jules this is how they work it they send to the poet a good chanter chanteur as they call him who has a prodigious memory and presto inside of half an hour said chanter has the whole poem in his head for any sorrowful occasion jose is asked to compose a lament and if it be an occasion of mirth he is certain to be in demand that reminds me of what happened to a poor devil of a lover who had taken his sweetheart to a ball without being invited although unexpected they were received with politeness but the young man was so awkward as to trip the daughter of the house while dancing which raised a shout of laughter from all the company the young girl's father being a rough fellow and very angry at the accident took poor jose blay by the shoulders and put him out of the house then he made all manner of excuses to the poor girl whose lover had been so unceremoniously dismissed and would not permit her to leave on hearing of this our friend jose yonder was seized with an inspiration and improvised the following naive bit of verse a party after vespers at the house of old boulet but the lads that couldn't dance were asked to stay away mon tonton de Ruiten, mon tonton de Ruité. the lads that couldn't dance were asked to stay away but his heart was set on going was the heart of jose blay mon tonton etc his heart was set on going was the heart of jose blay get done your chores said his mistress and i will not say you nay mon tonton etc get done your chores said his mistress and i will not say you nay so he hurried out to the barn to give the cows their hay mon tonton etc he hurried out to the barn to give the cows their hay he rapped rougette on the nose and on the ribs barre mon tonton etc he rapped rougette on the nose and on the ribs barre and then rubbed down the horses in the quickest kind of way mon tonton etc he rubbed down the horses in the quickest kind of way then dressed him in his vest of red and coat of blue and gray mon tonton etc he dressed him in his vest of red and coat of blue and gray and black cravat and shoes for which he had to pay mon tonton etc his black cravat and shoes for which he had to pay and he took his dear lisette so proud of his display mon tonton etc 
he took his dear lisette so proud of his display but they kicked him out to learn to dance and call another day mon tonton etc they kicked him out to learn to dance and call another day but they kept his dear lisette his pretty fiancée mon tonton de Riten, mon tonton de Rite. why it is a charming little idyll cried archie laughing what a pity jose had not an education canada would possess one poet the more but to return to the experiences of his late father said jules i believe that the old drunkard after having dared la corriveau a thing which the habitants consider very foolhardy as the dead are sure to avenge themselves sooner or later i believe the old drunkard fell asleep in the ditch just opposite ile d'orleans where the habitants travelling by night always think they see witches i believe also that he suffered a terrible nightmare during which he thought himself attacked by the goblins of the island on the one hand and by la corriveau on the other jose's vivid imagination has supplied the rest for you see how he turns everything to account the pictures in your natural history for instance and the cyclops in my uncle's illustrated virgil of which his dear late father had doubtless never heard a word poor jose how sorry i am for the way i abused him the other day i knew nothing of it until the day following for i had entirely lost my senses on seeing you disappear in the flood i begged his pardon very humbly and he answered what are you still thinking about that trifle why i look back upon it with pleasure now all the racket is over it made me even feel young again reminding me of your furies when you were a youngster when you would scratch and bite like a little wild cat and when i would carry you off in my arms to save you from the punishment of your parents how you used to cry and then when your anger was over you would bring me your playthings to console me faithful jose what unswerving attachment to our family through every trial men with hearts as dry as tinder often look with scorn on such people as jose though possessed of none of their virtues a noble heart is the best gift of god to man as our travellers drew near the manor-house of st jean port joli whose roof they could see under the starlight the conversation of jules d'haberville ordinarily so frivolous and mocking grew more and more thoughtful and sincere End of chapter six